guys, welcome to Speckled, a beauty podcast that explores the science behind the beauty industry by looking at what's actually inside our products. Each episode, we're going to explore a different trending ingredient by talking to industry professionals and getting their expert advice. I'm your host, Jen Anderson. Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be about sulfates. This is something that I've been really interested in for quite some time now. Sulfates, for those who may have never heard of them, are a common ingredient in beauty products, specifically skincare. It's found in um, body washes, it's found in face cleansers, it's found in even toothpaste. But specifically, I'm really interested in its role in shampoos and conditioners. And I think it was in middle school and high school, my hairdresser really told me, you know, Jen, you need to not use shampoos with sulfates in it. And this was when I was really discovering that I had a um, sort of a wavy, curly hair texture, um, more so back then than I do now. And my hairdresser was telling me, you know, stay away from those, go for something that is sulfate-free, especially read the label because a lot of sulfate-free shampoos actually do have hidden sulfates in them. So that's when I started getting really interested in it. And I think also at the time I was really struggling with um, dandruff and not shampooing my hair correctly. So um, I started doing more organic shampoos and conditioners, but I am also a very curious person when it comes to the beauty industry, and I've always wanted to kind of, you know, try different shampoos, different conditioners, and so I haven't always been the best at doing sulfate-free, um, so I kind of go through a cyclical pattern of doing um sulfate-free shampoos and conditioners, and then resorting back to those with sulfates. Um, So I did want to kind of do an episode kind of exploring more about sulfates and what they are. So what are sulfates? Um, According to Livestrong, I did some research on it, and sulfates are an additive to cleaning products. So it's not just in the beauty industry. It can be also in household cleaning products, and it causes a foaming action commonly associated with soaps. Um, so primarily, it's com- uh, sulfates combined with water to emulsify grease, dispersing into the water so it can be washed away easily. So that means you can wash it away um, when you add it to your hair, when you're cleaning your tub out, when you're cl- uh, using it to clean like your kitchen sink. But also, sulfates act as a surfactant, a substance that reduces the surface tension of water, helping your shampoo to loosen the grease and sebum from your hair and scalp which is something that obviously when I had dandruff was really important to me. Um, So according to Wikipedia, you know, my favorite Wikipedia, um, there are four common types in beauty products. There is, and I'm so sorry if I butcher these, sodium laureth sulfate, SLES, sodium laurel sulfate, SLS, which is the most common, ammonium laurel sulfate, ALS, and sodium perith sulfate, Whew, super sciencey, I know. But those are the ones that you have to look at when you're looking at beauty labels because sometimes products will say, this is sulfate-free. And then you read and you're like, wait a second, this has, you know, ALS or sodium sulfate. That's also a sulfate. It's not just SLS. There are four types. Um, so that's basically the general idea behind them without being a scientist at least. Um, 
So I did some more research and I tried to look into some magazine articles and see what they had to say. So Best Health Magazine wrote a piece about sulfates. They said that they're a high foaming agent um, and actually 90% of shampoos and body washes contain SLS or SLES. 90%, that's a pretty big number. But are they technically bad if they're in so many shampoos and conditioners? Um, According to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, SLS and SLES are safe ingredients. But I wanted to get a better look at SLS, SLES, all of them. So I decided to hit up a well-known hairstylist in New York City, and I decided to talk to her and get a better point of view on sulfates. So here to talk a little more about sulfates and her experience with them is Lauren Cairns. She's the co-founder and creative director of Fox and Jane Salon, which has several locations here in New York City and in Colorado. Hi, Lauren. Hi, how's it going? Good. We're in San Diego too. I have, oh to, I have to promote. I can't. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I want to know what the story is behind the salon and how it grew so incredibly fast. Oh, I wish I could tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, You know, I think... I think we'll go back to 2011 when we launched uh, Fox and Jane's, which was just five years ago. And essentially, at the time, I was kind of a traditional hairstylist looking for a great place to work. Um, I had some really amazing opportunities to do editorial hair in New York City and to work at some of the top salons in the city. Um, and I kind of found myself bouncing around, and I consider myself to be an incredibly stick-to-itive person. Like, I'm very loyal. I worked at the same salon in Colorado for seven years before I moved to New York. And, you know, ultimately, I just couldn't find an amazing place to work that really was people-focused, hospitality-focused, high-end, and took care of people. Um, And so I met, um, who's my now business partner um, and one of my best friends, uh, this man named Billy Canoe, who's a big marketing guy, owns a company called uh, Bright House. And um, we met in a super organic way. And I was kind of telling him, like, I want to take the, you know, amazing expectations of Fifth Avenue and the kind of vibe of East Village and the hominess that I learned in Colorado and make a concept. And he's like, I want to be a part of this. We should do something together. I could help market you if you can kind of hold down the fort. Six months before we opened, I never knew I wanted to be a salon owner. So it just all happened organically for me in like wildfire. And how did you specifically get your start in hair care and like working as a hairstylist? Cool. Um, So I was was 18 and I, I did the supposed to track. And the supposed to track for me meant... I'm going to go to business school. I was in Denver, (laughs) shout out. And um, I went for like a quarter. I was like there, I I was barely going to class. You know, I was always a good student, but I wasn't inspired in any way to be there. And I remember one of my best girlfriends, her name is Nicolette, and she's still a hairstylist. She called me and right after high school, she'd gone to beauty school. And she said, Lauren, you should go to beauty school. You'd be so good at this. I don't know why you're in school. Like I'm having the time of my life, you should do it. And I called my parents and I said, I think I'm gonna go to beauty school. And they said, well, during summer break, if you wanna do that during your summer break and try it, you can. And, I, and at three weeks in, I knew it was for me, and I never went back to college. You went to school on your break from school? I did. <laughs> I did because I wanted to transfer over. I knew. I knew it was right for me, and it just it didn't feel like that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, when something's organic, it just pushes you through. Oh, yeah, totally. So I did, and, and um, 
I've had so many like amazing blessings and opportunities in my career to work with amazing people that it's all just been forward momentum. It's all happened really fast, I guess. <laughs> so when did you make the move from, because the first salon was in Colorado, is Correct. that right? Yes. So when did you make the move from Colorado to New York? I was living in Colorado working at the same salon called Lemonhead, an amazing salon, kind of a high-end salon for the area, one of those places where people would come from all over the four corners to get their hair down there. Um, and I learned everything. That This salon owner's woman was just a really... Uh, her name was Lenore, excuse me. She was just a really great lady. And um, I felt like I had really gone from being an assistant for her to being her lead stylist. And I really had learned what I had to learn there. I also ended up going through like a big breakup in my 20s and just having that, okay, I'm 26, it's time to change my life feeling. Mm-hmm. And I packed, I sold all my stuff. I sold my car. I, I just decided to move to New York City. I had two friends here who thankfully were amazing fellas who had some great connections and helped me um, meet some people in the industry and get um, kind of some amazing opportunities to start out in the hair industry in New York City in a high-end way that not everybody gets those opportunities. Um, I have totally deviated from the entire episode, but I was just like so fascinated about your journey um, and how you've come to be such like a renowned name in in the business. Um, But... Yeah, I wanted to get your kind of input on sulfates, the cool. S word, let's the dirty about, S. Let's talk about those dirty sulfates. <laughs> <laughs> because I, oh. so I, you know, I've kind of gone through different like ups and downs and times when I'm like, I am only going to use vegan shampoo and conditioner, and then right. other times when I'm like, I don't care or <laughs> I'm poor. So it's it's right, kind of like they are mutually mutually exclusive, aren't they? Definitely, Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Um, so what was, like, when you were first training, Mm -hmm. what did they tell you? You know, what's interesting is I don't remember, I mean, granted, I'm not to date myself, but I was in beauty school 16 years ago Mm -hmm. and I don't remember a mention of sulfates. Now, that's not to say I didn't learn about them, but that buzz in 2001, it just wasn't there. You know, people didn't care about them or think about them the same way they have in the last five to six years. So I, I'm sure I went through it in my studies, but it it just, it wasn't topical. So we, I'm sure we covered it. I was like, boom, okay, this is a part, this is an ingredient that's in products and we move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, the buzz really started to happen, I would say in the last five years. Right. And Um, that's when the whole beauty industry has really taken off too. I feel like all the YouTubers, all of the everywhere. Right. Right. Information. Right. Information is changing. And so I think that's one of the most exciting things about being in the beauty industry you know, in 2017, is that you, the consumer, um, in a lot of ways, can access and resource as much information as I can, the expert. It also keeps us on our toes mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, it's harder to be impressive. It's harder to know more when information is at the touch of all of our fingertips. So now, after 16 years of experience and after all of that stuff has happened where people are like, sulfates are bad, sulfates right. are terrible... What is your opinion now? Cool. I think I think that's a great question. And I think that in general, I, I tend to discourage sulfate use uh, as an educator, as a stylist, and to the majority of my clients. But um, I, do, I was reading your questions. I liked your questions because I do think they have a limited time and a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I think collectively sulfates have gotten a bad reputation or have started to be... Um, you know, educated to the masses that they are a negative is because hair color in the last 
five to six years has also trend upward. Right. You know, we're doing more balayage, more, you know, even a few years ago it was ombre, right? More oh, hair. I had it too. Yeah, right? <laughs> Didn't we all? Yes. And um, with the incline of customers who are coming in to get color services, expecting huge color changes and spending, you know, hundreds of dollars often right. on our hair color, the enemy of hair color is sulfates. So it makes perfect sense to me that in the same era of, you know, hair color explosion, the topic of the negative side effects of sulfates has also been born. Right. Because they, 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 are, um, they are mutually inclusive. You know, not to sound redundant, but um, essentially one of the worst side effects of sulfates is what it does to your hair color. It essentially scrubs out hair color molecules and uh, will leave your hair without all that expensive color that you just put into it. So I guess here's my question from somebody who doesn't understand understand or know. Perfect. Um, so if you stripped your hair, mm-hmm. uh, bleached it, uh-huh. and then you went for like, I don't know, like one of those trendy like pastel blue, pastel pink right. colors, mm-hmm. and then you started using sulfates, mm-hmm. is it going to strip your hair and then just leave it with that bleachy color? That's exactly right. Oh, man. In fact, <laughs> if you called me and you said, um, I really want to get out this pastel color, I might tell you to use a sulfate shampoo right. to remove those pigment molecules from your hair. That's right. how fast acting it is. I've, I've definitely heard of that. Uh, quick side story. When I was 18, I decided that I wanted to be goth and not goth, <laughs> but like, I was oh, like, gosh. I want dark hair. Right. I was like, I want black hair. Right. You just so, want to look a little yeah, so I mysterious. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I dyed my hair and then my parents saw it and were like, oh my God, you're a vampire. And um, they made me like take it out. And of course it was like permanent hair dye. So what I did was I bought Prell shampoo, sure. like super cheap totally. from the store yep. and it actually removed it. We tell people to do it all the yeah. time. The yeah. worst thing you can do that's the best thing you can do is also dish soap. Same thing. Because it, sulfates are fillers. They're, mm. they're not... Um, necessary in the cleansing process and so because it's a filler products like dish soap products like clean cleanser is often used uh in combination with sulfates to fill up big bottles inexpensively so why if if they're not necessary to clean why are they used i think that the industry was getting away with something well sulfates do create uh that emulsification feeling mm-hmm. where it does suds up. You know, the funny thing about suds that I like to tell my clients is that it's just an active ingredient. Right. They don't actually do anything. Right. Um, but sulfates do, in fact, increase that sudsiness that we all have been programmed to believe actually creates a result in our hair when it doesn't. We don't need suds to cleanse our hair. Um, I think the product companies were getting away for, with something for a really long time. And I think essentially... Someone caught on to the fact that these are basically fillers mm-hmm. to make their products less expensive for them, though we weren't aware of it. It's not it's not great quality ingredients when it's a sulfate product. Right. That's not to say there's no time and place for it. It's just to say that I think the industry was leaning on it for years in a really unnecessary way. So if you have like I don't have this, but if you have like straight hair, never colored it in your life. Right. Can you use sulfates? Great question. And what's really interesting about that is that I will at times tell that client or that guest or that girlfriend of mine to use sulfates to rough up their hair. Have you ever had a friend whose hair is too silky? Oh, yeah. Too flat? Yeah. Too oily? 
Yeah. So I wouldn't say use it every time, but for that that person, that girl or guy, um, using a sulfate shampoo can actually give them a little bit of texture. Right. Now, the catch-22 of that is that over time, it will dry their hair out. So I would say sulfate shampoo, non-sulfate, or maybe two sulfates, and then, you know, one non. Or in the summertime when we're really oily, use it for a while. In the wintertime when we're all dry again, use a sulfate-free. Uh, so you always have to pay attention to yourself. Am I getting brittle? You know, am I taking this too far? It's kind of like sea salt spray. Yeah. Same thing. We can take it too far and we'll actually damage our hair. Right. But for that person whose hair is just uh, hopelessly silky, they can't hold a <laughs> curl. It sticks to their head. They shampoo every day. Uh, sulfate can actually be a really great thing for that person as long as they haven't invested in color. Because at a certain point, color will rough up your hair in a great way, and then you won't want to double down right. on sulfates. So I guess that brings me to my, well, I have two follow-up questions. Oh, my God. I'm, like, so interested in this. <laughs> um, so dry shampoo. Okay. Everyone's bae. Um, is that, does that have sulfates in it? Ooh, that's a good question, and I didn't look up the answer to that. I don't <laughs> think so. Then what, what? Because I think of dry shampoo as a powder form, mm-hmm. and I think of sulfates as generally being added in a liquid form, and so... Gosh, we have to look that up. But then, so like, do you recommend to use dry shampoo on, on your clients who have color-treated hair? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I can't imagine that most dry shampoos would have sulfates in them because dry shampoo isn't actually cleansing the hair, which is what sulfate is an additive of cleanser. Mm-hmm. So dry shampoo is creating a grit to the hair. Right. It's like baby has, powder, like yeah, sucks it up. It has a certain kind of powder in it or a certain kind of... Um, ingredient in it that will just help absorb a little bit of oil create a chalkiness that's going to give us that faux you know it's not doesn't feel clean right our hair never feels clean with dry shampoo it feels almost rough in a good way mm-hmm. right drier drier <laughs> yeah, yeah drier exactly <laughs> and so i know i don't think there's sulfates in that and, and also dry shampoo doesn't affect your color in any way um so then i guess the other question clarifying shampoos which Great. I have been told, you know, like my hairstylist always is like, use a clarifying shampoo once a week. And then sometimes she's like, use it twice. Like shampoo, lather, yeah. rinse, repeat, that whole thing. Right. Does that have more sulfates in it? Is it is it more pure? Or? So there's sulfate-free clarifying shampoos for oh, sure. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Uh, there are also sulfate-full <laughs> clarifying shampoos. Probably the ones I use too. <laughs> and clarifying shampoos... Uh, probably were prescribed to you because, you know, just looking at you, you do have brunette hair. It doesn't look like you have a ton of color going on. Mm-hmm. I imagine you are normal to oily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they probably told you that so you don't start to get that a little bit of oily buildup that can make styling your hair challenging. Right. I, I do think that's a little outdated. I think if you're using a great sulfate-free shampoo, uh, a great conditioner, you're shampooing your scalp, conditioning your ends, not vice versa. You're rinsing really well in between both. We probably don't need to use clarifying shampoo as often as we used to. But another reason that hairstylists used to prescribe clarifying shampoos weekly or twice a week or regularly was because our conditioners and and our products were full of waxes and full of common fillers that made our hair heavy. Right. And so because the quality of ingredients has improved in the last uh, five to ten years, the need to fuss with our 
hair, stripping things, you know, adding things has gone down as well. Right, right. Does so, that make sense? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I don't technically need to be clarifying. Sh- I don't clarify think so. I, unless you feel like your hair is overly silky or you're getting an oil buildup. Right. I, I would say, for me, clarifiers are an as-needed product. What about, um, no, now I'm, like, totally off. Great. Go. I can do this all day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what about hair masks? Okay, great. Totally not. They don't have sulfates, obviously. Absolutely not. But, like, is that something that you should be doing once a week? I love a hair mask. I think that uh, most women now are hitting their hair with a blow dryer. We're traveling to the beach. We are sun, you know, we're, we're in the sun, even if it's just our hair in a ponytail. Even if we sunscreen our face, we're not normally sunscreening our hair. Is that possible? It is possible. A oh. lot of great spray-ins now have SPF in them for your hair, and I highly recommend them, oh. especially if you have color-treated hair as well, or fragile hair, fine hair. Um, or you just don't want to be lighter when you get back from vacation because hair is bleached in the sun right uh but i i probably as a very very highlighted balayage blonde use a hair mask um i'll use it as my every time conditioner now i only condition once a week um but i think that it we can't get enough moisture and protein i think our hair for anyone who blow dries their hair gets a blowout um Anyone who uses a curling iron regularly, anyone who uh, is a swimmer, anyone who's in the sun, absolutely add a mask into your routine will help your hair uh, to provide, you know, shine, silkiness, less tangles, less frizz, and just longevity. Does it reverse the effects of sulfates? So, like, if sulfates are stripping you of, like, your natural oils or whatever, can yeah. the mask go back in and be like, all right, here's here's all the moisture that I just took out? I guess in a way that makes sense. Uh, but it's like you're kind of working hard. Your hair's working hard at that point. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that we don't want to take out those good uh, natural oils, the good amount of natural oils mm-hmm. in the first place. Um, and that just our environment will generally strip the hair and cause a need for a mask. So then if you are using a sulfate and then using a mask, you're kind of making your hair work over time and it's going to be hard for it to find a balance. Right, right. So I guess that brings me to my texture question. So I have always been told you have, you know, like wavy hair with curly undersides. It's very confusing. (laughs) Um, Don't use anything with sulfates because it's going to take your natural curl out and then you're not going to have any curl and you're just going to be straight Mm. and it's drying. Mm -hmm. Right. So is that something that people with different textures have to watch out for, especially people who have curly or natural hair? Absolutely. Curly hair, uh, wavy to curl, to extreme curl, um, it tends to be more dry. So if I am your hairdresser and you sit in my hair and I see that you have 40% or more curl or wave pattern, um, I will immediately start to formulate your take-home treatments, your take-home products, and your insulin products around those curls. Um, the curls themselves, because it's a t- it tends to be more dehydrated of hair or more dry hair, uh, the product choices that we use are even more sensitive. So if you think about it, it's kind of fun to think about the fact that the person with a really silky straight hair gets to use the harshest stuff. <laughs> the person, you know, and, and then we kind of scale and all the way over to the person whose hair is incredibly curly. Mm-hmm. They need to use the most gentle all the way down to what's called like a no poo, like a 
barely shampoo, barely cleanser. Or the curly girl method where we don't shampoo at all for really strong curl patterns. Right. That's because curl curly hair is fragile. So what kind of ingredients are in like extremely like no poo shampoos? That's that, a great like, question. Mean. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, I don't know the chem. I, I wish I did know actually. Uh, I don't know the exact like chemical makeup. I know that one of the things that a lot of people do are doing now, or a lot of product companies are doing now. Like we work a lot with R and Co. Um, I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and there's a lot of mint, tea tree, uh, milk is a great cleanser. Amino acids can be a great nutrient. Um, there's a lot of replacement with natural ingredients these days. So where product companies aren't relying as heavily on straight up chemicals to do the job. Um, so there's he- there's natural cleansers. Not everything is completely organic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but um, just the idea that I, I think the modern consumer is looking for those natural ingredients. And so the product companies are being held to a higher standard to add those in. And do they do as effective of a job? I think so, definitely. I mean, the thing is, if you're using a no-poo, you don't want as an effective, you don't want to be as effective right. as someone who's using a strong cleanser or a clarifier. Um, th- that person wants something really gentle. So they're doing the right job for them. It's really all about customization and what's right for you. You just want to replenish the hair gently. Uh, if you have very curly hair or even medium curly hair, you want to avoid op- Common cleansers, you mm. want to or harsh cleansers. So, how often should you be using cleansers per week? Based on, I mean, I'm sure that differs for like texture and and color, but mm. on average, it's a great question. Um, it definitely differs. I think one thing to note is your gym schedule. You know, how are you naturally a sweaty person or an oily <laughs> person? Um, are you running? Are you training for something? You know, were you running just all the time? Um, I recommend about two cleanses a week. Uh, One thing that's really interesting that a lot of people don't know is that common conditioners often have a very small amount of cleanser in them. So one of the reasons why curly girls can actually skip a shampoo or skip many shampoos is because conditioner on a very subtle level does it all. Um, However, for you and I, kind of normal to average hair texture, Mm -hmm. we have to use a little bit of cleanser. I would not recommend more than two times a week unless you are extremely active or kind of more oily on the scale. Um, For somebody like me who uses a lot of product, (laughs) I like using mousse. Mm -hmm. And then I I get to the, you know, my shower the next morning and my hair just kind of feels like it's been like weighing down then I feel right. like I have to clean and I feel like I have to scrub it all out right are you like is that something that conditioner can do or is there something that you can do in the shower to kind of like naturally without using the sulfates or the harsh cleansers to get out that nasty product right that's a great question I think what I would probably tell you is find products and balance them in a way that doesn't cause you to have to cleanse all the time so if you're kind of, it sounds like there might be a little bit of a vicious, you know, cycle going on there, there <laughs> where you are using a lot of product and then that means you have to shampoo, which means that you have to use a lot of product, yep. which means you have to shampoo, et yep. cetera. Uh, <laughs> what I would tell you is that, first of all, I love a great dry shampoo. I think they're one of the best inventions of the 20th century. It is so cool that we have a way to kind of limp by and, and rebalance our hair 
in a way that we don't have to shampoo every day. Because we, we had all trained ourselves, I think, in the 80s and 90s that we shampooed every day, right? That was like the old messaging. And now we kind of go, oh, wait, actually, a couple times a week or skipping days is really great for us. And our natural oils are, are the most beneficial. Um, so what I would probably recommend is that you try some alternative products that don't make your hair feel like such a disaster the next day. Things like, um, I think mousse is great. I think mousse, com- I, I use mousse when I get a blowout. And then the next day I use dry shampoo. The next day I use dry shampoo. The next day I use dry shampoo. Um, but try not to use firm hold hairsprays. Right. Try not to use um, sea salt sprays. Things that really get into the hair and change the way your hair feels that first day. Because that will make you get a, you know, need a shampoo or a cleanse the next day. Right. So light hold things that kind of do the job. That makes sense. Uh, you have this relationship with R and Co. And I, when I went to Fox and Jane a couple months ago, um, I was like, everywhere you, where, everywhere you turn, you're like R and Co. R and Co. And I love R and Co. Just like being somebody products. who like is into beauty, um, but it's also kind of an indie brand that I don't think a lot of people know about. How have you like foregone that relationship or developed that relationship? Well, Art & Co. came to us uh, about, I think, two to three years ago. And um, the brand manager for the New York area said, you have to hear about this brand because, you know, you're on our radar and you are a perfect match for Art & Co. Like your brand and Art & Co., yeah. they're married. And they yeah. really are. And it was funny because, you know, we get approached by product companies every day. That's the truth. I, I literally get free boxes of product weekly in here of people just sending me stuff trying to get us to pick up their lines mm. and when i saw the packaging when i heard about the innovation when i found out that it was an orbe line uh which obviously just means something within the industry from a quality perspective um it was the first time i went hmm i might change everything for this because before that i was really happy with the other lines that we carry and i still am by the way we didn't drop them we just kind of re you know, reorganized everything to fit R and Co in um, because it was such a perfect match for us. Great price point, you know, very indie as you said, hairdresser led brand. Really, it really spoke to me as a entrepreneur. They also have that cute kind of like tribute. A lot of their products are tributes to like New York City, like totally. Rockaway yes. and yeah. They just launched Wall Street coming out in a couple of weeks. What is that? Um, I think it's a gel. It's like I haven't even got to test it yet. I just got a like a preview, um, little sneak peek. That's so so I think it's like a, a styling gel aid. Yeah. And cool. like all their pictures are really cute, and it's just like a very aesthetically pleasing brand. For sure, whoever. I mean, I guess is like Fox and Jane is very aesthetically. T- <laughs> pleasing as well thank you yeah. um yeah they feel very harmonious so then do they have sulfates in some of their shampoos and not in others or they how are a that... sulfate free shampoo uh company which oh, we, cool. we love because it makes it super easy yeah our stylists don't have to remember or memorize which ones have sulfates and i also think it's the industry standard these days that it most is. products don't yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we do have products in fox and jane that have good sulfates, not good sulfates, because sulfates are all kind of the same, that have sulfates, of which we're very selective of who we recommend those to. Um, I was reading this story the other day. This lady came forward and said that her hair was falling out because of dry shampoo. And it wasn't, she did name the specific brand, but she said it isn't the brand that she was using. It was just the repetitive use of dry shampoo. And she had this huge ball spot just in the middle of her head. I mean, it might have not been like a huge story. And obviously there could have been other things contributing yeah. to that. But is that something that 
should be like a concern. So did you hear about the, I'm not going to say the name of the company, but mm-hmm. there's a really famous California company with a very famous celebrity stylist who just got sued and had a ton of uh, flack because his products um, ca- caused bald spots. Mm-hmm. You know that company that I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Yeah. Okay. So, And I don't know if this woman is referring to something from that line or independently of that. I think it's different. I would say <laughs> not to blame the victim because I don't want to blame the victim. Right. I would say that you would probably have to be really heavily relying on dry shampoo uh, and creating a buildup on your scalp of dry shampoo, which is preventing oxygen from getting into your follicles, right? It's like you're really deadening them. Like you're, mm-hmm. It's like you're sealing them in with something. Um, you're causing an extreme buildup, which is one reason you could create um, either a bald patch or breakage um, from the scalp. You, you would have to be doing a lot. Or there's something we don't know about medically or uh, in her specific situation. But I think for the average consumer, uh, you would have to really be like packing it in and not cleansing. Like you, you really have to be going in. So I, I don't know that that's what she was doing. Like obviously we don't know her whole story. Mm-hmm. It, she could definitely have extenuating circumstances. But I would say for the average person, you know, maybe don't use dry shampoo for more than like four days or five days right. before you cleanse again, for sure. I know I had friends who, I mean, gosh, it was in high school. So, of course, we're, like, dumb. But, like, <laughs> we would go, like, as long as possible without shampooing. We'd right, be like, you get that. Dude, I'm on day six. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, by the way, I, I'm on day six right now, just so you know. So, is that safe? <laughs> is that something that it's, like... It's safe. It's totally safe. I think everybody needs to be accountable to like their own symptoms of themselves yeah. right so i know my hair really well i just got a full you know head of bleach last week so i know my hair is really dry mm-hmm. so it's loving all of the natural oils that i'm letting it right have. so i just did the bun today you know it's winter it's cold it's really windy right. like i just had to make all those choices for myself am i gonna do that again next week probably not um, but I'm also getting a, a toner tomorrow. And I was like, do I really want to blow dry my hair and then go get a blowout tomorrow? Probably not. Right? No. And our, <laughs> our clients don't either. And most of us don't want to. So I, I think it's all with discretion. Um, I think also I'm naturally pretty dry. I'm a dry person. So mm-hmm. I don't get super oily. I do work out, but I just pop in that dry shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> but like the lesson is kind of like learn your hair learn type. Ev- by the way. That's the lesson to hair <laughs> it, it is learn your hair type, learn what color works for mm-hmm. you, learn what your hair can do, what its limits are, you know, just looking at your hair, you know, it would be really, if I tried to put my color on you, me being a, a very bright blonde, it would really tax your hair. Right. Um, you know, I, just, I think as uh, women and as consumers and as men uh, in this era of beauty with so much inst- instant gratification. Now I'm on a tangent. With so much <laughs> instant gratification on Instagram and on YouTube and on social media, we want these extreme changes. We don't really consider our own personal best selves and our own personal prescriptions and what really works and doesn't work for us. And I think it's a huge mistake. And I think at least at Fox and Jane, we're constantly trying to educate people about their hair's limits, their best beauty moments, you know, really almost like being their own celebrity guide. Like if you look at a celebrity, they really do what's best for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're right. making them look gorgeous. They don't necessarily follow every single trend because they want them to look gorgeous and perfect all the time. They are the trend makers. They They're are the, the trend makers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So consensus. Mm-hmm. Sulfates are not that great, <laughs> but it de- it really depends. Learn your hair. Totally, sulfates are for specific uses, mm-hmm. 
and at specific times. Mm -hmm. uh, in general, I would say they're a no-no for most people most of the time. And I think if you're the kind of person who needs them or can get away with them, someone has told you that. Everyone else, stay away. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're special. <laughs> but you, you might need to wrap up your hair a little. Most of the population doesn't need to wrap up their hair a little bit or doesn't color their hair at all. Mm -hmm. So it's a small group. Very small. Yeah, very small. <laughs> thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Yeah, and I've had like so much fun like learning about sulfates. Cool. I need definitely fascinated. <laughs> we can talk sulfates all day. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. Thanks. So that was our episode on sulfates. Thank you so much for listening. As always, this episode was produced by the amazing Jorge Estrada. And if you aren't following us yet, we have an Instagram at Speckled Blog and a Facebook page at Speckled Blog. And of course, check out our blog posts at www.speckled.blog. If you haven't already, check out our last episode where we sat down with Rakita Kapadia of Coco V and chatted coconut oil. And we'll be back soon with another episode in two weeks. In the meantime, subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes. It would be amazing. It helps other people like you find our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs>